You are listening to a message that was given at Living Word Chapel, Oracle, Arizona. It is our hope and prayer that God will use this message to speak to you and enrich your life. For more information, visit lwcoracle.org. How many of you in here remember World War II? It's a serious question because it was a serious, it was a serious situation in the, in, in, in the world. And how many of you know that the Battle of Normandy was pivotal? That battle lasted from June 1944 till August of 1944, and it resulted in the liberation by the allies of Western Europe from the Nazi regime. It was codenamed Operation Overlord. The battle began on June 6, 1944, and that day is also known as D-Day. There were about 156,000 American, British, and Canadian forces that landed on five beaches along a 50-mile stretch of the heavily fortified coast of France's Normandy region, and the invasion was one of the largest military assaults in history, and it required extensive planning. Prior to D-Day, the Allies conducted a large-scale deception campaign designed to mislead the Germans about the intended invasion and its target. By late August 1944, all of northern France had been liberated, and by the following spring, the Allies had defeated the Germans. The Normandy landings have been called the beginning of the end of the War of Europe. And what I believe is that the significance of D-Day was the fact, was this fact. Timing is everything. I want you to think about this truth. When it applies to war, if you arrive too early, it can be detrimental to the plan of victory. If you arrive too late... It certainly can be disastrous. The Allies did everything right in their timing, and they played a small savior, small s, to the free world. We are a thankful people because of that uh, collective effort and what we have today. We're able to worship freely. We're able to enjoy this beautiful United States of America because of that collective effort and that timely, timely directive. Life in general is about timing. Have you ever said, if I could have been an hour earlier, this wouldn't have happened? When I do uh, uh, memorial services and funerals, I talk about people, how they, how, how they are in the last days. If I would have just had one more hour, if I, if I could have just done this, if I could have just done that. Timing is everything. You might have said to yourself or told somebody, if this would have only happened a little later, 
I could have just had a little bit more time. Timing is everything. But when it comes to God, God is never late. And God is never early. He is always right on time. The Bible says that when we were utterly helpless, when we were shackled in sin, Christ came at just the right time and He died for us sinners. The allies came to the rescue as a tyrant named Hitler did everything he could to conquer the free world. And more importantly, God came to rescue a people who are lost without him. And we have an enemy, and that enemy works through the flesh. The flesh is everything we do independently of God, how we try to cope outside of God. The world who is anti-Christ against Christ. All around us, we see the world at war with Christ and the devil. That prince of darkness who's come to destroy lives. His job is to steal and kill and destroy. But Jesus came to save us from these three, and he has. And he's never late. And he's never early. He's always right on time. So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. If the Son has set you free, dear sir, dear ma'am, you have been set free indeed. Drug doesn't have power over you. Lust doesn't have power over you. Depression doesn't have power over you because Christ sets people free. And timing is everything. I want us to go to the, the story of the triumphal entry. We're going to go to John chapter 12, and we're going to see Jesus coming in to Jerusalem. And as he comes, the multitudes are there, and they're cheering him on. And what we find about them is that they were there because Jesus had just recently raised a man from the dead. His name was Lazarus. And Jesus had said, Lazarus, come forth, after he had been in the tomb for more than four days. And he came forth out of that tomb alive and well. And so people were awestruck at this prophet, this, this, this man, this man of God, and, and they began to flock to him and, 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 and just really want to lift his name up. That's what Palm Sunday is about. And what you find in this thing, this scripture, is that his timing is everything. And beloved, let me tell you right now, before I finish this sermon, his timing for you is perfect. His plan for you is perfect. He has something he wants to do in you that only God can do. And if you will receive that today, it'll change your life forever. Let's pray. Father, thank you for every person here today in second service. As always, we say more than that, thank you that you're here. If we open up your word, we, 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 we choose to open our minds and our hearts to receive all that you have for us. As your messenger, I pray, Lord God, that I will stay true to your word, 
that I will present it in a very clear and understandable way so that when we leave here, everyone will say, wow, that was a good, good message because of you, Lord Jesus, because your message is the greatest message known to man. So we pray, Father, for life change. We pray, Father, for hearts to be changed. We pray, Lord God, for comfort in hearts as well. So no one will leave downcast today, but everyone will leave saying, we serve a good God. And in your name we pray, Jesus. Everyone said amen, amen. and amen. So the Bible in John chapter 12, it, it, in, in the NIV it says that um, the next day the great crowd that had come for the festival heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. And they took palm branches and went out to meet him shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the king of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it as it is written, Do not be afraid, daughter Zion. See, your king is coming seated on a donkey's coat. At first his disciples did not understand all this. Only after Jesus was glorified did they realize that these things had been written about him and that these things had been done to him. Now the crowd that was with him when he called Lazarus from the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to spread the word. And many people, because they had heard that he had performed this sign, went out to meet him. So the Pharisees said to one another, See, this is getting us nowhere. Look how the whole world has gone after him. Can I tell you, beloved, as we come into Easter, the whole world today is still going after him because they need a savior. And if we will portray the Jesus of the Bible, people will want him more and more and more because the Jesus of the Bible is savior. And the Jesus of the Bible reaches people where they need to be reached. I've got three things that I want to talk about from this passage that helps us to understand how important his timing is. And how important uh, his timing is to us. So the first thing that I want to say is that Jesus came to save a people who were longing for a Savior. Jesus came to a people who were longing for a Savior. I would even say they, he came to a people who were desperate for a Savior. There was a prophetic word that, that, that told them to be expecting a Savior and a Deliverer. That word came from Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9. And that, that word says, don't be afraid. Look, your king is coming and he's riding on a donkey's coat. Now this completely went over the heads of his disciples, went over the heads of everyone because everyone knew that a king doesn't come on a donkey. A king comes on a stallion. A king comes on a horse in glory, but Jesus came on a donkey in humility and servanthood. And Jesus still comes to us to serve us. He comes into your life, not the way that people expect, but the way that God wants it done. The Bible t says very clearly at first, his disciples did not understand all of this. 
Only after Jesus was glorified did they realize that these things had been written about him. What does it mean for Jesus to be glorified? What does that mean, Pastor? It means that when Jesus died and went to the cross, he went to the grave, and on the third day he rose again in power. Jesus Christ is alive and well. He's glorified. He's the glorified Son of God. He's the glorified Messiah. He's the one that, that was. He's the one that is. He's the one that is to come, and he is here with us. He has been glorified. We talked about the allies of D-Day and the people were longing for saviors. They were longing for deliverers. Can I tell you that those people in Europe, as Hitler, Adolf Hitler came across and he was destroying people's lives. He was killing Jews by the multitude. He was killing anyone that he could get his hands on that was against his regime. And the fact of the matter is when, when those allies came, they were glad to see the help and deliverance. Did you know that recently... The leader of Afghanistan was here in the United States of America and he pleaded with our nation and said, please don't pull out the troops because we need help. Can I tell you, when you're desperate and when your wives are being raped and they're being killed, when, when people are being destroyed, they are looking for a deliverer. They're looking for a savior. They're looking for someone to come and help. And there's people all around us that have a mask on that says, I got it all together, I'm okay. But it, behind that mask, they're looking for a Savior. And that Savior is Jesus. So this week we had an infestation and an infiltration and a saturation of bees not just your normal bees, the kind of bees that want to hurt you. And so we called someone. His name was Kenny Chavez. And he came as a small S, a small savior. <laughs> I'm not kidding you. It was so bad that there we, probably ha we probably had 500 to 1,000 bees that were swarming right there in the cafe. We had, uh, we had a beehive. We found a, He found a beehive, but I can say we because I was behind him. <laughs> Way behind. I, I'm behind you, Kenny, from the window. Get him. <laughs> he, he, he got into this metal conics storage that we have, and there were bees all swarming in there, and he said, I'm going to have to open up this floor, and he cut the floor out, and as he cut the floor out, there was a honeycomb. And that thing, there was honey that was sipping out of it. So at the office, we were like, bring the honey over here, Kenny. <laughs> but don't bring the bees. And so as he was battling all these bees, the, the, the diameter of this honeycomb was about six foot by six foot. That means that those bees had made a home at Living Word Chapel. They were saved bees. So it's okay that they went to heaven now. <laughs> but I was sure happy. My heart was filled with joy when Kenny got rid of the bees. 
Can I tell you something? We have a pest in our life, and his name's the devil. And the only beekeeper, the only devil keeper that we have is Jesus. And he can remove him out of our lives if we let him. I'm speaking to someone today. Jesus wants to remove that pest, the devil, out of your life. You got to let it happen. Because there ain't no honey there, honey. <laughs> there ain't no honey there. I love that the way that uh, uh, Manny Pacquiao put it. Manny Pacquiao is a, a, a boxing champion. And, he, and, and it shows us how people are longing for a savior because Manny Pacquiao lived his life without God for a lot of years. And then one day he said, I, I'm lost. I need a savior. And Manny said this, being a Christian means accepting Christ as your savior and your God. That's why you're called a Christian. If you remove Christ, there's only I-A-N, an acronym, that means I am nothing. You remove Christ from being a Christian, then you're left with nothing. You're left with a need, and people are longing to be filled. People are longing to be, to be uh, helped, to be delivered from whatever they're going through. And the only one that can help them is Jesus Christ. You see, the, the people like Manny Pacquiao, they teach us that even champs are longing for a Savior. And let me tell you something about timing is everything. Every prize fighter, they love it when that bell goes ding, ding, ding. Whenever they're in the ring, ring, ring. And they're getting hit, hit, hit. Are you with me? They're waiting for that bell to sound. And, and, and when that bell sounds, timing is everything. And let me tell you, beloved, for you right now, you're in, the, you're in the fight of your life. Timing is everything. And you need Jesus in your corner. You need Jesus on your side. Pastor, how do I apply this? How do I implement this into my life? I would say to you, make a choice today and this week to fulfill your longing and need of a Savior by embracing Jesus' plan for your life. Make that choice today. Do not leave here without embracing the plan that God has for you. The Bible says this, This is a trustworthy saying, and everyone should accept it. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners and the Apostle Paul said, and I am the worst of them all. Can I tell you something? Everyone that receives Jesus, you begin to understand that you're nothing without him. You begin to understand how detrimental your sin is, how it can damage your life, how it can destroy people around you. You begin to understand it's a trustworthy saying. It is something that I can trust that Jesus came to save me, a sinner, and I am the worst of the worst. I, I need to quit pointing my finger at everyone else and say, Lord, I'm the one you need to save. Let me walk in this salvation and let me begin to work out your plan that you have for me. That's exactly what he has for every single one of us. And that's the only thing that will change your life. Timing is everything, number two. Our timing is often not Jesus' time. Our time is not always the time of the Lord. You know, the multitude in the passage, they were longing for a Savior, and they shouted out, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. I don't know if they sang it that way, but it sounded good. <laughs> we sing this song all the time, Hosanna! 
Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest, right? We, we, we sing that. But in that context, it wasn't really a song of praise. Hosanna means save. And in that immediate context, what they were saying was, save us now. Save us right here. Save us in this circumstance. And can I tell you something, beloved? That wasn't God's way, and that wasn't God's time. Because just like they were shouting, Hosanna, and they had palm branches, the next week they were, they were going to stop shouting, Hosanna. They were going to say, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. And they didn't even know this, but that was the exact reason that Jesus came was so that he would be crucified and then he would actually be able to save them from the thing that they needed most. They did not need to be saved from the Roman Empire. They needed to be saved from their sin. We don't need to be saved from our present circumstance as much as we need to be saved from our sinful condition. You see, God's time is not based on our time. God's methods are not based on our methods. Have you noticed that we tell God, save us, Lord, and especially save us right here where we're at. Lord, we want you to save this area in my life. Please, Lord, my spouse and me, we have trouble. Please save us here, but don't worry about this other stuff. I don't, don't even come over here because, Lord, I don't want you in this area. Can I tell you what we want? People are into temporary fixes. You ever broke your phone? I have. How about a plumbing problem? Huh? You break your phone and you say, I got it, I'll fix it. You have a plumbing problem and you say, hey, just give me the wooden spoon. All I need, I don't need a flapper. Just give me the wooden spoon. My, your wife is saying, hey, honey, I'm making some frijoles. Where's the wooden spoon? It's being used for a good cause. <laughs> People live in the moment. God lives in the eternal. People live to fix it now however you can. Hosanna, Hosanna, save us, save us now, save us now. Save me right now, Lord. Jesus couldn't save them right now because if he would have saved them at that time, they would have died in their sins. We say, save me now, save me now, save me. Lord, you know me, you know the way I am. Save me here. Jesus said, I want to save you to totally. Can I tell you that when Jesus saves us, he saves us from our, from our emotional dilemma? He saves us from our physical dilemmas and he saves us from our spiritual dilemma. He's a holistic God. Jesus does an extreme makeover. You ever had a house and you say, oh, man, I wish the extreme makeover show would come. The one on the left is how it was. The one on the right is how it can be. Can, can I tell you that's exactly how Jesus works in our lives. If we let him do an extreme makeover, he can change your pad into a mansion. And I'm not talking about your house at home because that's just so temporary. He can change your dwelling place and make it his dwelling place. He can make his abode in your home, homie. He can come into your, into your place, into your, into your existence, 
And he can change you for the better because he's God and he's a savior. Can I tell you, he doesn't want to live in a home. He wants to live in a palace because Jesus is a king. Hear me. He comes into your life and he'll change your life because he can. But he doesn't want to do a temporary fix. His way of of doing things is completely different than your way. And that's why some of us battle. We battle through life because we're, we're, we, want, we want things to be fixed our way. We want things to be fixed temporarily, right? But God wants to fix it eternally. And he can. He's got the power to do that. The Bible says that, um, you know, as, 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 as we think about the palm branches that were, that, that were being waved and and they were living in the moment, right? But God shows us in his word that he has a specific set time in his plan. And can, I, I really believe this, beloved, before I go to the scripture, that that time for some of you is today. You see, I believe with all my heart that God's nudging your heart already. He's already stirring your heart. He's saying, the time has come for you to surrender your life to me, and I'm going to make it better. No matter what circumstance you're going through, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to make it better. I'm going to strengthen you. Look at what the Bible says about the, the, the set time. But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son. An appropriated time, a time that has been set forth by the Father. And he was born of a woman, and that woman was a virgin, born under the law to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship because you are, because you are his sons. God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. Can I tell you something, something about that extreme makeover that God wants to do in your life? You don't have to cry out to God at a distance. You can cry out to your father in a relationship. You can, you can actually have him with you wherever you go. The spirit of God who dwells in our hearts gives us an assurance that God is with us no matter what we're going through. No matter what we face, there's an assurance, there's a hope that we're not hopeless people, that we're a confident people that have a Savior that's going to get us no matter what we're going through, He will walk us through. How do I apply this, Pastor? What do, what do I do to, to walk it out? And I would say this to you. God saves. God saves, but don't get in a hurry with unhealthy expectations. I'll serve God if I, if I, I mean, if I, if I get, if I win the lottery, I will serve God and I will give to the church. And you win the lottery and I, well, I don't know. I know how them church people are, I know. Pastor James, he's driving a Kia, you know. I'll serve God if, if he fixes my relationship, if he, if he does this for me, I'll serve him. God's not messing up your relationship. You are. Right? We don't serve God our way. We serve God His way. 
The greatest dilemma that we have as people is we get in a hurry. Right? We get in a hurry in a relationship. Oh, I just, I just love her so much. I love him so much. I just love him. Six months later, I hate him. I hate her. Don't get in a hurry. The Bible says, wait for the Lord. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. Twice he says it. Don't get in a hurry, beloved. Number three. Number three. Jesus saves us completely and progressively. Jesus saves us completely and progressively. When we look at the shouting of the crowds, we see them screaming, Save us now! But they needed a lot more than an earthly king. They needed an eternal savior. If God moved according to our time, we would be in trouble. When Jesus comes into your life, he saves you completely. You were in the, you were at one time, you were living in the domain of darkness. In the kingdom of darkness, it's called in the Bible. But when you receive Jesus, you say, Lord, I, I am needy. I am turning away from my way. I'm coming to your way. I receive you as my Savior. I confess you as Lord. Then he transfers you right there completely. You are taken up spiritually, and you're taken from the, domain, uh, the, the kingdom of darkness, and you're put into the, the domain, the kingdom of his beloved Son in the light. Completely. And that's past, present, future. That He washes your sins away from your past and with the sins that you're going to do today. Can I tell you something? You're probably going to sin today. And I probably will too. And then he saves us into the future. Completely. But from that day, progressively, he begins to move in us to make us more like Christ. You begin this walk so entirely completely, I'm saved completely, but progressively he's making me a little bit different and he's changing the way that I talk, he's changing the way that I think, he's changing the way that I, that I talk to people, that I, that I live, because he is progressively making, making me more like Jesus. Isn't that a good thing? Doesn't that teach us that we're not, we're, we are not supposed to be perfect? I shook someone's hand after first service, and they said, boy, we, we sure love coming here. And I, said, and I told them, I said, we love you coming here, but let me tell you something, we're not perfect. We serve a perfect God. And that's every one of, every one of us in here. Let's, let's go back to the Allies and D-Day. And I want for some of you young people, if you will, here's your homework. Go to Google. Go to Safari and Google D-Day. And find out how important that is to your life. Some of your grandparents, great-grandparents, great-great-grandparents, they fought so that we could enjoy what we have today. And they obtained a freedom... And yet progressively, we're moving into this, this freedom as well, he, even here. We have to be proactive. Did you know that? Christians, do we know we have to be proactive, even as citizens? Amen? I don't like the president. Well, vote. Young person, hear me now. You get a privilege to vote. 
I don't, I don't like who's running. Uh, the, I don't like the mayor around here. Well, well, can I tell you, run. If you can do a better job, run. And you begin to move forward. And instead of being a complainer, you become a life changer. So you, you begin to walk in this newness of life progressively. Here's what Jesus said, because here's, here's the false interpretation of people when they come to Jesus, and I think a lot of television ministry sometimes can give you a kind of a twisted look of Christianity, because they say when you come to Christ, everything becomes better. Everything's perfect. Wrong. Jesus told his disciples, he said, I, I, I've told you all this so that you may have peace in me here on earth. You will have many trials and many sorrows, but you can take heart because I have overcome the world. Progressively, progressively, we're walking in that. We're, 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 we're beginning, we, we fight against the wars, of the, I mean, the, 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 the forces of darkness. Progressively, we're like Manny Pacquiao saying, I'm going to train, and, and through Jesus, I'm he's in my corner, and I'm... <laughs> and we can have the peace of Christ that surpasses all human logic, all human understanding. It's a peace that only Christ can give. Jesus said, my peace I give to you, not like the world gives, but only as I can give. The Bible never says that God came to save us from all our trials and difficult circumstances, but we do have a promise that he will walk us through Every single one of them. No matter what you're going through, beloved. No matter what you're going through. Can I tell you that sometimes our biggest failures are our greatest victories in Christ. Sometimes you're, sometimes you being on the street, sometimes you've been in your worst place, the worst place in your life is where you find that God is stronger than that. I love the way that uh, Pastor John Ortberg, he's a great author, he, put, he said this, Biblically, waiting is not just something we have to do until we, we get what we want. Waiting is part of the process of becoming what God wants us to be. Patience is developed in the waiting. Faith is enlarged in the waiting. The faithfulness of God is revealed in the waiting. So you see, beloved, Jesus came to save us completely, but progressively. My last application. Pastor, tell me how to do it. How do I move on this? How do I apply this to my life? I would say this. This week, embrace your circumstances with the understanding that God is working to save you, but it may not look like you'd like. God is working in every circumstances to save you, but it 
probably won't look the way that you think it's supposed to look. Can I tell you what happens a lot of, most of the time? God wants for you to get rid of yourself. Anyone in here ever blame someone else? You don't got to raise your hand, but if you do, thank you. I'm raising mine. You know, yeah, amen. You blame other people. Can I tell you, usually they're not the problem. If you're waiting for someone to tell you what you want to hear, you're, you're probably the problem. Amen? We need to, whatever circumstance we're going through, we need to say, Lord God, whatever your answer is, I'll submit to that. Doesn't matter what, even if it looks completely different than what I think it should be, I know that your plan is better than my plan. I know that you're a bigger Savior than I could ever be. The Bible says people may be right in their own eyes, but the Lord examines their heart. I've been there. I'm right. I, mean, I know I'm right. And the Lord says, I'm checking this out. PJ, you need to align yourself with me. And that's such a better place to be. Such a better place to be. Let me say this to you, beloved. God loves you. More than words can say. If there would have been no one here on the earth, no one except for you, Jesus would have still gone to the cross. And he would have shed his blood so that you could be saved and with him. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for sending Jesus Christ at just the right time. Thank you for teaching me that you're never late and you're never early. Jesus came to deliver me at your appointed time. So today, I embrace this truth and give my life completely to Jesus. I reject the temptation of allowing my circumstances to dictate my trust. I place my faith and total dependency on Christ as my Lord and Savior. Teach me through my circumstances and increase my understanding of the fact that your timing is everything. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This has been a message from Living Word Chapel. We hope that you've been blessed by it. Make sure you check out lwcoracle.org for more information.